<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey folks, today's show is brought to you in part by Omaha Steaks. Make your house your favorite new restaurant this spring with Omaha Steaks delivered straight to your door. You ever wondered what makes Omaha Steaks so damn good? Well, of course, I've got the answer for you. It's the aging process. Omaha Steaks are aged at least 21 days, and that's where all the magic happens. Try these mouth-watering steaks in the Butcher's Best Sellers package. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter the promo code VOICES into the search bar to save over 50% and secure exclusive pricing. Included in the Butcher's Best Best sellers package are four iconic fork tender butcher cut filet mignons, four ultra juicy burgers, four savory pork chops, four kielbasa sausages, four rich and decadent caramel apple tartlets, my favorite thing in the world, and so much more. In addition to getting more than 50% off, you also get four more chicken breasts and four more of those delicious burgers for free. All you have to do is visit omahasteaks.com, type voices into the search bar to order the Butcher's Best Sellers Package today. Save over 50%, plus get four free chicken breasts and four burgers for free, all from the company that's been bringing people together for over 100 years. That's omahasteaks.com, type voices into the search bar. And now, let the cartoons begin. Recorded live in the USA, covering the whole wide world. Right on! This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, March 24, 2021, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. My guest today is one of my all-time favorite people on Twitter. The great Eric Garland is here today to talk about what's next for the rising autocracy here and elsewhere, as well as the Russian attack on the United States and, of course, Trump's insurrection and its aftermath. Oh, and on top of being an essential follow on social media, Eric is an intelligence analyst and a futurist, and of course, he also hosts a podcast called Game Theory Today. Find it everywhere you get your podcasts and at patreon.com slash game theory today. Meanwhile, if you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe to our bonus content at patreon.com slash Show. Okay, let's talk with the great Eric Garland. Eric Garland. Holy shit, it's Eric Garland. Hey, Eric, it's Bob Seska. Hey, you're on the show, Bob. man. Finally. Holy shit. You know what? We've been what? trying to trying to get this together for a couple of years now. I'm so glad that we were finally able to connect. This is great. Awesome. I'm excited. Very cool. So, of course, uh, you know, everyone knows you for your uh, your Twitter feed and, of course, your podcast, Game Theory Today. But let's start right out by getting to know the man behind the tweets, huh? <laughs> Among other things, uh, you identify as a futurist, right? Is, is that basically what I think it is? Like, you forecast what's next based on current trends? Am I describing this correctly? 
Yeah. Trends, uh, actor analysis, figure out who wants what and what's changing and what might go crazy. And we make scenarios based on that. Yep. How do you study? How do you prepare to be a futurist? I worked for a think tank in Washington, D.C., you know, almost 25 years ago, working for a guy named Joe Coates, who was one of the futurists to the United States Congress. It's a uh, that long range strategic analysis is a discipline that came out of the Cold War and the development of nuclear weapons Mm -hmm. uh, with the principal question. How can we not kill everybody all at once? A very noble (laughs) calling. Yeah, I would say so. Um, Oh, we accidentally. Oh, we're inventing all these new technologies. Oh, wow. We, some are very deadly. Oh, wait. Now we can kill everyone all at the same time. And that sent a lot of people thinking. And that's where the think tanks of D.C. were in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And that's where that uh, that school came out of. And that's, those are the guys that I studied with. And that's kind of trying to uh, predict the future has been kind of my thing ever since. Yeah. And it must be uh, really clarifying right now uh, to kind of know, and in a, not in a very good way either, uh, the past four years, for example, because it seems like I, I know there are a lot of people watching what's going on in politics and the news and going, well, Joe Biden won. So I guess everything's fine. Uh, but no. What do you think is going to happen with this trend toward uh, autocracy in the world right now? Well, let me let me stretch it out way far back because one of the best ways to understand the future is to understand the past as far as you can the 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 tension between democracy and autocracy you know in our written records and languages that we speak goes right back to the greeks pure democracy having its failures having a you know a strong man in charge has its failures and mm-hmm. we've been literally working it out for over two millennia ever since yeah. uh in in the 20th century you know we've had modern technology applied to that so you know i kind of you know, look at the current moment as the culmination of trends in the modern world that started in World War One and Two. Wow. Um, in fact, I think we may go back just like we used to call World War One the Great War, uh, and then we called it World War One after the conflagration in 1939. I think we might one day call what we've experienced in the last century, us back to our great grandparents, as the Great War, the War for the for modernity or for the future. So we're you know, we've had the struggle between monarchy and democracy and, uh, you know, uh, you know, crazy fascists and and freedom and civil rights and racial progress and LGBT progress. All that's, has, you know, been this big maelstrom the last hundred years. And, yeah, the Trump era uh, coalesced like all the worst parts of that. You know, they yeah. popped out. Ha, we're in charge. The bad guys won. And <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you know, this cast of, you know, like rejected Bond villains and uh, that. I mean, you know, they were they were you know, These were like the Batman villains that ended up on the on the cutting room floor. They're like, ah, that'll never work. You oh, know? exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. A guy who wears three shirts and uh, produces films and does video games, but also loves Italian fascism. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. They have like, their own garish costumes and everything. I mean, Donald Trump is the most garishly ornate president that we've had in a long time between the baggy suits and the face makeup and the hair it's a whole package and the same with roger stone roger stone's another one I mean, really and you mentioned uh, steve bannon they could all literally be pulled out of like dick tracy comics or uh you know some of the worst batman comics too right this is the thing i bob i didn't say steve bannon and you knew it was Bannon. I mean, <laughs> well who like, else wears three shirts i mean come on that's right that's right this is what makes this is what makes makes me think that um you know the fact that uh, if you line up a picture of stephen miller and joseph goebbels they look separated at birth and yeah you know that is that my question is how much of that was contrived how much of that did they know 
mm. uh, you know, in advance. So that's self, you know, this weird evil self branding. But yeah, they all come on the scene and they explode and they're like, I mean, right, remember what Bannon said? You know, we're going to be in power at least fifty years. Yep. And my influences are Darth Vader, Hitler, and Satan. Whoa! We're in charge. <laughs> yeah. And you gotta go. You gotta go back to some of the highlights in the early days because we're all post-traumatic right now. We're all just our ears are ringing. Like what just happened? If you go back like four years, a little bit more than four years from today, you know there was a day where they tried to sign by executive order uh, a change to the National Security Council, which is set by law through Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so executive orders don't necessarily work, but they tried to take the entire intelligence community and the joint chiefs of staff off the National Security Council and put on Jared Kushner and Steve Bannon. Jesus. Um, so we're going to, it's like, what are you, how are you going to discuss national security without intelligence and the Pentagon? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. How are you going to do that? Well, we're, oh, we're going to have, you know, these two Batman villains here. Um, and, you know, and, and it didn't, and they tried, but it didn't work because that's not how it works. DC's, you know, mechanisms, you know, kept the place together yeah. uh, for those four years. So those, there were those like crazy things that these idiots tried, um, some of which have had, you know, some really nasty uh, damage, there's no doubt. Uh, but they didn't work all the way, and they, they haven't made it to that 50 years of straight power that they were discussing. Mm-hmm. However, to your point that just because we elected uh, you know, a very experienced, uh, decent uh, president who's going to represent all Americans best he can, we're not out of the woods no. at all. So nope. yeah, we have that to look forward to and to fight pretty hard for. What is it with Steve Bannon, by the way, and how does he fit into the autocracy thing? Because he seems like a nihilist to me. He seems like someone who's just okay with there being chaos. Is there is there like a long game here where he's trying to seek out some form of autocracy that would rise up out of the chaos, like power abhorring a vacuum, that sort of thing? Is that his goal? I feel like there's a lot of guys with 107 IQs, um, <laughs> you know, whose parents toilet trained them at too early an age. <laughs> Who, who got a whole, I mean, come on now. Like yeah. these guys, they're all, I read Italian fascists like you and, and like 7,000 history and sociology majors, dude. Yeah. Right. Like, right. yeah, we can all, yeah, Ooh, you know, <laughs> ooh, fascist idea. Ooh, you read me. I mean, it's uh, like Otto from uh, fish called Wanda played by Kevin Klein. It's like, <laughs> You know, apes don't read Nietzsche. Yes, they do, Otto. They just don't understand it. Yeah, it's um, it's bro politics, is what it is, isn't it? Well, it's a, I mean, it's slightly more sophisticated now. Where where it gets interesting is we go, oh, these guys were working with Russian intelligence. Mm-hmm. Now that is a group that's not a joke. Those guys are deep thinkers. They they do have you know a hundred plus years of archives that you know are detailed and they and they're they're they are serious nihilists and they're very very thoughtful and that's how they've gotten around a lot of you know a lot of our systems they thought about this attack consistently for a hundred years they know us better than we know ourselves and, and better than we know them mm-hmm. uh you know with very few exceptions and so when they team up with these guys that seem like idiots um to us they can be deadly effective, and they have been. And yeah. uh, in fact, you know, that's the term um, you know, polizny durak, uh, which is use, you know, literally useful idiot in Russian that Stalin coined. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're like, we love idiots. Idiots are our bread and butter. That's how we get stuff done. And that's why they have all these terms beyond ours. You know, we'll say asset for somebody who's useful that doesn't necessarily 
isn't doing anything particular or agent, somebody who knows they have to do a thing. You know, the Russians and, and similar intelligence services use guys like that and go, yeah, you're a knucklehead. You don't know what you're doing, but I know what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. I have a plan. And as long as you pull it off, we're going to get somewhere. And that's where, you know, you get these, you know, these people that can seem very jokey and why a lot of people didn't take Trump seriously, except a very few right. um, said, oh, no, that could that could totally work. <laughs> um, I'll take a lot of a lot a lot of people in uh, the uh, middle America or, you know, the flyover country, if you will, um, you know, who who said, oh, no, that guy is talking to my uncle who never votes. I heard that around here uh, in you know, I live in St. Louis, you know, and, and I heard that in Missouri from people who are like, oh, my uncle's in the blue hill will vote for that guy. He is speaking their language. I and mean, I think right. a lot of the intelligentsia in the United States did not pick up on. This is this is dog whistling for a very different group of people who might never have wanted to vote before. Mm. Because this is going right for the deep psychology. And that is exactly what Russian intelligence and others, um, some middlemen like uh, your Robert Mercer and Cambridge Analytica types, were, were looking at the data feeding back from Facebook profiles yeah. and going, ah, we can. Oh, no, these guys, they used to do this, but we can get them to mm-hmm. do this. So, you know, they were able to, you know, in the run up to 2016, I think a lot of us didn't understand what they were doing or how fast things were changing. I think once, you know, I think that when you look at the, the size of the data set that Cambridge Analytica had, they had Facebook's profiles from 2010 to 2014, which would have been around Ferguson. Jesus. Right. So if you think like if they capped this after the initial cut of data from like people reacting to Ferguson, they would have had this treasure trove of people who, uh, you know, were openly racist or who were covertly racist or Mm. who were anti-racist. They would have had that. And so, I mean, every other kind of data that people never really thought they were giving away to any company, much less like a foreign intelligence services, um, that, you know, they were able to weaponize, you know, all, all parts of the political spectrum, the center, the left, the right, and get us to do things that we didn't know we were capable of in a period of, in a speed velocity that we'd never imagined because these were really novel technologies, which goes back to my original training is that when new technologies of this power come on, if you're not thinking about what they could mean, they'll come up and, and, and catch you off guard and you'll end up with some dude with an orange dead ferret on his head. <laughs> coming out as president today. <laughs> right, right. And then where are you? Yeah. You know? Well, you know, and so, speaking of the, the technology and, and just going back real quick to the useful idiots, um, was Edward Snowden, uh, Vladimir Putin's first step toward meddling in American politics? I mean, directly using people inside the United States or in Snowden's case, uh, someone who fled from the United States. Was this all part of Putin's plan or was it kind of, yeah, maybe a dress rehearsal or something. Did this all fit into what eventually happened in 2016 and uh, again in 2020, uh, the whole Snowden fiasco? It was, in, in some sense, it was old hat and not new. And in some ways, uh, Snowden was absolutely key. Here's mm-hmm. how it breaks down. Um, for Vladimir Putin, a you know an experienced KGB intelligence officer, um, they literally go to school for political interference in other countries, uh, which they've been doing for a century, trying to twist elections in countries all over the world mm-hmm. uh, since the, the Russian Revolution. 
And so, uh, you know, ginning up tension uh, about uh, race and gender, they've been doing that for decades and decades uh, as the KGB before, Um, as well as, you know, blaming things on the CIA that the KGB really did and getting us to mistrust our own government. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to say that our government's perfect, not at all. And they know that we have that reaction. Yeah, we're a more perfect union. We're always trying to improve. They're like, yes, you suck. We're like, well, (laughs) that's not what we meant. But they, they are very practiced at, at trying to get Americans to not trust their, uh, their institutions so that, you know, because those institutions pose a threat to Russia. So that's their, their, they've been doing that forever. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, had they, you know, you know, Putin's been in charge over 20 years, so you've had a, a, you know, a guy from the intelligence services, not from the Soviet Politburo, but a real Czechist in charge of a country. And so has, he be, has Russia then been behind probably in some degree a whole bunch of operations similar to snowden to try and get us to mistrust our government Mm -hmm. i think so um we'll what we learn about it will depend on what gets declassified but snowden was the big game we started with with manning's you know exfiltration of data from the pentagon using hacking tools um not just his conscience but he got tools from assange that would allow him into pentagon computers he shouldn't have been into right but that first cut of data you know people like oh maybe you know the war crimes going on but Snowden was, you know, a pivotal moment because, you know, the Russians and the Chinese, the Iranians, the North Koreans and others were screwing around in our computer systems and getting into our social media and getting into our video gaming communities. And, and, you know, so much they were all over us. They were making profiles of individuals uh, with health care needs and voters and all this. They were amassing as many of these data leaks as possible. If you remember, Yahoo loses you know, 2 billion email oh, yeah. accounts, yep. uh, credit agencies, healthcare companies, you put all that together. I mean, imagine if, ever, you know, if, if anybody had all that data about you, what your credit's like, what your health is, is like, what you, what medicines you take, mm-hmm. um, who your family and friends are. That's a, that's a scary amount of data and it's been used in scary ways. So, you know, was it perfect for Russia to come along, have this one millennial dude come out Oh, I've got a conscience. Oh, the U.S. government's spying on you. Mm-hmm. Not all the, you know, all the torturers on Earth are crawling around Twitter and Facebook and sucking out your credit card scores and all that. It's not. No, no. The people you need to worry about is the NSA, the only agency you have that we really fear <laughs> yeah. that can that can tell what we're doing. And so then everyone go, Oh my God, how long has this been going on? And you know, you, I just remember. Uh, you know, former director of national intelligence, Jim Clapper being grilled in front of the Congress, being asked these questions that the senators should have known he couldn't answer in an open setting and having him mm-hmm. just grit his jaw going, no, we don't spy on Americans. It's more complex than that. Um, you know, do they have the tools to hell? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we pay a lot of money for those. They're right. good. They're right. good at what they do. Um, you know, but so the, the Snowden thing muddied the water about all, you know, how intense, the, you know, the day-to-day fight of, you know, trying to keep our networks that were built for, you know, for open communication and our society that is built for open communication, mm-hmm. how vulnerable those are to people who are absolutely despots and who intend us harm. And that's a daily fight for the intelligence community to try and, and maintain our freedoms and the rule of law so that, you know, people can't go snooping on you without a warrant um, from the government. Anyhow, companies are doing it all over the place, but it's a daily fight for those guys. And, the, you know, the Russians using Snowden 
muddied that water yeah. uh, brilliantly. So, you know, I don't think it was the only, you know, reason behind Trump because you had, you know, how many, we, Bob, you know, you, we're men of a certain age. I mean, did, <laughs> did you ever look up in the last four years and go, this guy's from Iran Contra? Like, I was mowing lawns in 87 <laughs> and that, that, guy was on tv what the hell <laughs> yeah. is he doing back right yeah i know exactly what you're talking about i mean you know i i see this and maybe it's uh just absolute coincidence where it landed the whole snowden op aspect of all of this and i see you know edward snowden emerges in 2013 turns into a summer-long story where there was the drip 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 of all the powerpoint uh, documents and became kind of a social media thing too uh not only on social media but also in the blogs where he had a lot of misinterpretation of what it was that we were looking at or what we knew and didn't know about NSA at that point in time was often getting scrambled and exaggerated by certain members of the press, Glenn Greenwald being a centerpiece of that. And then it became Sochi. It was the Sochi Olympics, and then it was Crimea and Ukraine, and then the following year, yeah. the uh, the Trump op begins, the Trump-Russia thing begins in, in 2015 into 2016 and so on, and it all seems like of one piece because you have many common elements in there. You've got a useful idiot, You've got the exploitation of the internet where, yes, Americans don't know how to digest information yet. We don't know how to handle this entire glut, this tidal wave of daily information that we receive through Facebook and Twitter. So it becomes overwhelming and then we get the wrong idea and then that can be manipulated in a way to get us to do things that increase that uh, distrust of government, increase that uh, level of, of chaos uh, in our daily lives. We're going, oh my God, everything is collapsing on me. What do I do? Maybe this guy from The Celebrity Apprentice will solve all the problems, and boom, there we are. And uh, it all seems like one narrative, one continuity, doesn't it? Man, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome to hear you put that together like that, you know, four years, you know, four years after, you know, I, I uh, in what became a cultural catchphrase in December of 2016, about a month after the election, I started a thread on Twitter that started, hey, guys, uh, you know, it's time for some game theory, i.e. let's look at uh, what's going on now is a big set piece. And let's look yeah. at Russia's role in it. Mm -hmm. and, and I, you know, that's how I what you just described, that is how I, I saw this. I'm like, you put all this together. How you know the Iraq War going to hell, yeah. and the intelligence being wrong, and then the housing crash, and you know our inability to take care of, you know New Orleans after Katrina, and you know this distrust in government, and then the right wing gets more right, the left wing goes off and ends up in Snowden and WikiLeaks territory, and then in walks this Queens mobster who was on TV for a decade. Mm -hmm. Maybe he'll solve this problem because it is it is chaotic. It seems like you know we're losing our minds here. We might as well try something new, like, you know, a mobster owned by the Russian Bratva, uh, who was a front right. to the Genovese and a money launderer. That's surely that. And let's bring his family in. Why not? That's new. Like, yes, I could also, uh, you know, you know, uh, sleep tonight in the oven, I guess. Or, you know, you know, I, I mean, there's all sorts of new things you could do. Uh, it's time for a bleach martini. Uh, it's new. You're right. Yeah, Trump actually said that. I keep forgetting. Yeah. Trump actually said, now, maybe put it inside. Tweet, yeah, this is this has ruined all forms of political satire because whatever <laughs> whatever extreme your brain yeah. will go to on a short term basis like this, it's oh no, they did that. Jesus Christ! Um, right, yeah. right. You know, 
yeah, we leapt into the dark on that one. And a lot of people who, you know, otherwise would have been solid citizens, you know, are like, well, I don't know, uh, you know, let's go here. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know where they were going. And, and frankly, I, I don't think the people who back Trump thought Trump would be president. I think they were planning on Hillary being pleasant, the president, and then shaking her administration apart and doing something different in 2020. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think you, you know, you do have to see you know, Russia's role over many years, but then also, you know, what we weren't seeing nearly as, as clearly back, you know, four or five years ago was China's role in this, Saudi's mm. role in this, yeah. not Israel as a nation, but the Netanyahu's gang, let's call them, uh, uh, you know, their role in this. And then the domestic crew, the people who, I mean, this, this was not just something from foreigners. This is something we did to ourselves. Right. Um, you know, we don't all bear equal responsibility. You know, we're not, you know, not all of us have Nazi dinnerware mm-hmm. or, or whatnot with some of these, some of these billionaires I've heard, you know, have that kind of proclivity still. Um, that's not all of us, but this was, you know, these were American social and political trends that were allowed to fester. And, yeah. you know, also they were quite covert. We didn't understand what, you know, uh, they were trying. For example, you know, we're still having terrible problems with the post office from this Louis DeJoy yeah. uh, character who, you know, who is a crook and was trying to shank our, our 2020 election. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it appears to be an enormous felon, you know, given yeah. that, uh, you know, messing with the mail. Uh, you know, I don't think that's uh, slanderous, uh, you know, messing with the mail on purpose. Uh, for whatever reason, is a felony, um, and you know he's done that. It's still, uh, it's it's still going on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, right right now. And under, understanding, you know, who, you know, who would be behind that, you know, who would want to take apart yep. democracy, you know, not all of that's from outside of the country. Oh, I remember where I was going with this. You know, I believe it was like 2012 or 13. They started them or maybe it was before they started imposing from Congress um, uh, policies on the, the post office that would require it to keep like 70 years of, of pension funds on hand. So it would be like yeah. chronically underfunded. I, I think Susan Collins was behind that. Um, you know that, so they've been going at the post office for some years now. It's actually, you know, an exquisitely run institution. Um, and by the way, it's not every large government entity is super well run, but mm-hmm. there are some that are that do great, great jobs uh, for, you know, ha- for them being really huge, um, you know, and the post office has been one of them. And they like, in, there were a group that intentionally wanted that taken apart. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of us understood, you know, that messing with UPS or FedEx is not a felony. You don't have the right to vote via FedEx or UPS yeah. or Amazon prime or whatever. But there's all these federal laws attached to the post office. And so if you shank the post office, look at all the things you can do. If you're not looking out 10, 20 years and you're not a sociopathic nihilist and go, we're going to destroy this institution mm-hmm. or wear it down so that we can, you know, we can get a hold of the, you know, the U.S. government in this other way. Um, if you don't think like that, you're not going to see it until it's happening. And it may be in some regards too late, uh, you know. Luckily, we have these systems of checks and balances that allow us to redress yeah. um, some problems or, you know, we, you know, it'd be we'd be in really dire straits right now. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, that's the kind of thing that's been going on for years where, whether it's, you know, slowly eating away at the tax base, uh, you know, reducing regulations and, and oversight over, you know, various industrial activities or it's, you know, the, how meat, uh, people are treated, uh, uh, in meat processing plants or, you know, the clean air act or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things that we've done with the government that are really important. And there are people that wanted to just erode that so that they could make America look totally dysfunctional, uh, you know, and to hear many tell it that what the Koch brothers were after were rewriting the constitution, having a, con- a constitutional convention once they had what, 60 or 66% of the state houses. Yeah. Um, they, they wanted to rewrite this thing. Uh, so to, to their, you know, uh, to their desires. And I don't think any of us thought anyone would be that brash from inside the country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the fact that we made it past the last four years of, you know, utter insanity here, I think is a, a hell of a testament mm-hmm. to the, the, the government, the, the constitution of the United States and, and the, the judiciary and the laws that we've, that we've added to it to correct its, its very glaring imperfections from early on. But man, this is a tough system. You can try and just shake it apart mm-hmm. with the people that have the most money and the worst intentions. And somehow we come out the other side and, you know, within two months you get a bunch of DC dorks in the right <laughs> jobs that they know how to do. And like, Oh, now we can get you vaccinated. Nope. Let's get you some checks. Let's do the, Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. This is, I, I thought this whole thing was broken. No, we just had a bunch of idiots. I mean, that is a, you know, that's a hell of a testament to mm-hmm. this 250 year old system that sh- in some ways, should have been replaced. Uh, most social systems, you know, are completely obsolete and because designs only go so far into the future. Our brains can only do so much. But man, that, you know, hats off to Jefferson and uh, Hamilton and all them cats. No kidding, They're- because it's amazing to me that, uh, and one of the reasons why I've been able to sleep since uh, January 20th is because of this very thing. Like, I didn't think... In fact, I was extremely skeptical, and I didn't necessarily impart this on Twitter or on my podcast or anything like that, but I was really skeptical as to whether or not we were going to pull up before crashing nose first into the ground. But I think one of the biggest casualties in this glut of internet and social media information that we're bombarded with every day, one of the biggest casualties are the details. And going back to what you were saying, for example, with the United States Postal Service and Louis DeJoy, the mission that is both shared by the Republican Party and Russia is to sow distrust in these institutions, right? So Louis DeJoy goes and he starts tearing things down under the guise of, uh, oh, I'm trying to fix the Postal Service because of this unfunded mandate and so on. And then people lose track of the details of the fact that he's actually sabotaging the Postal Service. So then people start to go, Oh, well, the the Postal Service doesn't work, so fuck it, I'm going to start using FedEx or something like that. And fewer and fewer people Mm -hmm. use the Postal Service. The Postal Service uh, revenue goes down and they can't quite recover, so that it's finally privatized in some way. And so, again, but it's the details that get lost. It's the detail that Louis DeJoy didn't inherit a failing system. He made it into a failing system from something that was actually functioning reasonably well. But I think upwards of 74 million people bought hook, line, and sinker, this disinformation campaign. And then that was advertised to the entire world. So every foreign intelligence service that wants to worm its way into the psyche of the American people 
now have an open door. They know exactly what to do to manipulate the American population. And it's terrifying. I mean, we saw new countries get involved. You look at the ODNI report, where there was not only Russia, but Iran got involved. And then there were some smaller countries. I think Venezuela was in the mix, too, trying some social media manipulation, some influence campaigns. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's yeah, we just put a big sign Hez- uh, at our front door. Yeah, exactly. Hezbollah was in there. The yes. The terrorist that could. I was like, Hezbollah, good to see you guys. Hey, I mean, how do we, you doing? how do we survive that? I mean, how do we shake that off? Because it just seems like it's an open door. Anyone can waltz in and manipulate American voters into doing what they want them to do. Okay. So let's, let's, let's go back at our. You know, let's go back where we, we, we've come from. Yeah. Um, George Washington, you know, overwhelmingly voted in as president of available voters. There were only 40,000 Americans that were allowed to vote out, mm-hmm. of, out of 4 million, 3.9 million. Um, only 1% of Americans were in the category of landholding, you know, yeah. white males. Right. Uh, so, you know, so, you know, we, we started there from that kind of weak Democratic point, you know, mid mid 18. Uh, 1800s there we had half the country that was really behind a system where you know they wanted to be able to own human beings uh and 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 whip them into labor Mm -hmm. and then you know we had you know we decided the only way we could get through that our ideologies were so different that we had to we had to kill each other in great number which we did and uh somehow we got past that so that only 50 years later we're able to project our power out on the globe um, even with that, that split, I, I would posit that, yeah, there are people that have fallen for some threads of foreign propaganda, which they have before. If you look at the Abwehr, um, spy ring in the twenties and thirties from what became the Nazi party, hmm. uh, as well as their Soviet counterparts, you know, America, because of its free speech was a test lab for that initial Nazi messaging. A lot of people don't know that, that these, the R and D lab for the Nazis was America. Hmm. They try, you had tons of native Germans who would, you know, you know, who many of whom still spoke German natively, um, who were pretty susceptible and, and other folks who, who weren't of that, uh, nationality, uh, but you know, who found themselves to, you know, susceptible to that messaging. I mean, they had a big, you know, what is it, a KKK rally or, you know, they had a big, huge racist rally, you know, at Madison Square Garden. Hmm. Uh, and that's when we started putting in, um, you know, we, we that's when we got the FARA, uh, the, the Foreign Agents Registration Act, mm-hmm. which is a database of everybody on our soil. Uh, it was made for the Nazis and Soviets. Anybody on our soil who was there to spread propaganda had to register with FARA. Farah is getting a big workout these days, by the way, yeah. more than it's had in decades. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the reason that that guy went in in 1938 is because those guys were all over the place here spreading that ideology. And this country was, was ready, you know, three or four years after that. You know, we cut that out. We started, you know, we, we started, uh, you know, you, you think of the old war movies and, you know, we had our own propaganda, our counter propaganda. Um, you know, our, our comics, our Superman, uh, Wonder Woman, that dates from that era where it's like, oh, you're going to, you're going to have archetypes and mythological stories. So are we. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why you have the comics code and, uh, that, that reigned for decades, things like that. Um, they're like, wait a minute, hold on. We see what you're doing. We are going to, we're going to stop this. We are going to have our own propaganda that is for justice, rule of law, fairness, 
um, diversity and inclusion. Uh, and we deployed it. And three, four years later, we, you know, our guys are ready to die on the beaches, uh, you know, in Asia Pacific and in France. Yep. And, you know, didn't, didn't give the last measure of true devotion for other nations other than ours, mm-hmm. for, for ideals. So we've been, we've been in really, you know, and, and when you think about the roots of, of well, the, the roots of those ideas, Jim Crow, which we're still, you know, firmly in place in this country for another 10, 20 years after World War II. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, and yet this nation was able to mobilize itself to stop the Nazis and then to put a bulwark against, you know, the Soviets. Um, so we've been in, you know, you know, we, we've gone crazy before <laughs> we've had some really <laughs> shitty ideas. In this country yeah, that have no gone doubt. a long way before. And, you know, yeah. Did a lot of people pull the, the lever for Donald Trump? Yes. But remember how binary everything is where it's like, you know, especially 2016, it's like either you like Hillary Clinton or you like Trump. Well, mm-hmm. there were plenty of reasons lots of people could come up with to go, do you have anything else on the menu here? <laughs> um, you know, we've known Hillary for 30 years here. I, and this Trump guy's new, at least. Um, you know, there were lots of Obama voters who voted for Trump, who, yeah. who don't really give a crap about D.C. politics. They're just like... You know, I remember NAFTA. I remember what happened to my, you know, I lost my, my health care out of my job after that and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and they're not wrong for, mm-hmm. for them. They're like, look, Democrat, Republic, you know, I, you know, I lost some during Clinton. I, you know, lost more benefits during Bush. Then in Obama, you know, nothing got better either. Yeah. So yeah. what the hell? Let's, let's do this other thing. So just... I think we can bounce back. I think if we make a, you know, a real effort um, you know, and I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying we need a huge propaganda effort, but I, I call it pro- positive active measures. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a, you know, just reinforcement of the rule of law, of love of democracy, and of just all good things uh, mm-hmm. that I think we can all agree on. Um, I think, you know, enforcing, you know, putting time, effort, and resources into that and identifying disinformation and going, ah, that's somebody else's idea that's here to destroy your right to the rule of law, your right to vote. Yeah. And, and pushing back on that, we, not only can we do it, we've done it in the past and it's worked. So, I, you know, I, I remain optimistic. Okay, we'll get back to our conversation with Eric Garland here in just one second. But first, let's talk about the after party. Every Friday, Kimberly Johnson and I record a fourth podcast for the week, but this one's totally different from the usual Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shows. The Friday After Party podcast is loaded with all the politics you want, while also containing uncensored, completely obscene conversations about sex, drugs, movies, television, our personal lives, all the crap we can't get away with on the free show. So please help support this podcast by subscribing to our Friday After Party for just $10 per month. And you'll also get two post-mortem shows every week included in that level of support. That's bobseskashow.com or just click the all-caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. Let me ask you this, Eric. When the insurrection happened on January 6th, on some level, did you feel vindicated? I mean, at least insofar as you kind of forecasted like something like this was on the way, like some sort of uh, culmination of this disastrous Trump presidency was going to eventually lead us towards something like this. Maybe not 
in terms of the details. But even a year ago, uh, we were seeing hints of you know seditionist behavior with the liberate Michigan, liberate Virginia, and so on, and uh, people you know, storming into various uh, state government buildings and occupying the lobbies there. Many of them armed uh, people in those in those places. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, so oh, it's, oh yeah. It's it seemed like something like this was building so did you feel like oh well when it was going on did you feel like oh well of course yeah of course this was going to happen yes but for reasons other than my own prognostication powers it's because roger stone told us in 2016 Hmm. this whole vote is rigged and if we steal the trump presidency he's not going to win he's got a dead Hmm. orange you know rat on his head he's not going to win um you know but if you steal it America's going to be a bloodbath. You watch. Said that on the Alex Jones show. Yeah. And it was like, ooh. And, and Obama, we now know from declassified documents, Obama had the National Guard ready to go coast to coast. Hmm. Because the thought, you know, these groups uh, that we've seen, the, the, the base, the Atomwaffen, the three percenters, the uh, Oath Keepers, know, the yeah. keepers no, you know, all them, Th- those, those groups have been, you know, have been going on for, for years and years. You know, if you go back 20, 25 years, remember we had stand standoffs at Ruby Ridge and some branch Davidian types. I mean, we've had standoffs with these people that are armed that had, you know, they're anti-government, uh, Timothy McVeigh, mm-hmm. uh, of course, is very well known to our, our, our new attorney general, Merrick Garland. Yep. Um, you know, that that's been going on for a while. They had those guys activated, for uh for 20 you know for 2017 mm-hmm. uh or, sorry the right-wing forces and the the you know the you know the active measures purveyors slash foreign agents like like roger stone had you know, had those guys ready to make a mess of this place if hillary got in they were going to challenge the vote they were going to you know be quite violent and i don't know if people remember this you know you're, you use twitter a lot you may remember that, especially like 2017 or so, the people that were very vocal, who had platforms, who were very vocal against Trump, they referred to the resistance. A yeah. lot of them may not have seen the billboards they started testing out in certain markets of the Alex Jones show, and it says, you, Alex Jones, Infowars, you are the resistance. Hmm. His <laughs> side was supposed to be the resistance. They had that script all written. And then... <laughs> The Queens mobster guy won, and they're like, ah, ah. and you know, it took everybody a couple couple months. No one knew where to put their feet, put their hands. That's when I wrote my thing. I'm like, hey guys, it's Russia, and everybody freaked out. <laughs> you know, yeah, because yeah. nobody they didn't know what to do. But Obama was ready for, you know, this violent uprising. I'm like, crap, we can't have a violent uprising if our guy won. Shit, what do we do? So you know, then later on, they're like, if he, uh, it'll be a fake, and like, you know, his. You know, clearly he was not going to be as popular, you know, with the plague going on and, you know, everything yeah. he'd done uh, and, and not done in four years. You know, it, it was very likely that, a you know, a guy like Biden could could win. And then they just brought out the same old. So oh, no, um, it's going to be voter fraud and uh, machines. And it's like they oh, it's this old script they picked up off of, out of the trash can. Like, where were we? Page 38, guys. Uh, it's. It's rigged. Uh, you already tried it. But so, you know, then this crew, uh, you know, they, you know, they announce, oh, it's going to get wild on January 6th. Um, you know, 
I wasn't surprised to see that. Yeah. I was surprised to see how suicidally brazen the people at the Pentagon who swore oaths to this nation were in stopping the National Guard from deploying. Oh my god, yeah. Among other measures mm. they should have taken. That is a that's a set of acts. I know they're I know they're in the process of investigating them as we speak. I don't want to make too much comment other than that. The depravity of those actions and inactions uh, those did shock me. Yeah. Um, and also on the positive side, um, they've really eschewed the amount of honor that they're going to get for this. But the performance of the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police mm-hmm. rushing to be kind of the last bulwark uh, to keep those people from their goal of potentially murdering elected officials. What what those officers gave of themselves on that day is, uh, is truly inspiring. And, and they've they've really not been celebrated Enough, and yeah. they will be at some point. I hope. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was mean, on the good side. You know, on one hand, I was thinking at the time, something like this has got to be uh, in our future. This is throughout the Trump presidency. It's going to reach some sort of critical mass where these people do something. But on the other hand, I was thinking, well, you know, they're kind of cowards too. You know, they're kind of keyboard warriors where they're fine in their 8chan uh, threads and so on. But when they actually get out in public, they're not the, you know, 12-foot warriors that uh, they kind of make themselves out to be on social media. So I thought, eh, they're ultimately not really that big of a threat. But, of course, I was completely wrong about that. Um, And it turned out that when you get enough of them together, they're going to do shit like what they did on January 6th. And so... Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a weird thing. I've seen them running before that's, you know, I've seen them at pro- other protests where they've had to run a certain distance, like a block. And I thought, Hey, you know what? If it comes down to a civil war, at least we can outrun them. <laughs> you know what I mean, like I saw, you know what it was? I saw a bunch of Trump supporters at a rally at an outdoor rally running across an uh, airport tarmac. And I was like, Oh, look at them. There's no way that they can actually engage in any sort of real insurrection here. I mean, they can barely make it ten feet without losing their breath. So, uh, but I, you know, again, I was uh, I was wrong about that, and it turned out. That, you know. Well, but that, that yes and no. I mean, that that again, you had to pull all the normal stops away. I mean, the, mm-hmm. to my knowledge, the the Capitol Police weren't even on. Uh, their event schedule. They have a big event, even if it's not expected to be a coup d'etat, for yeah. example. Let's just say it's a, a the zillion moms march. They will go on a schedule where all the, you're not allowed to take any vacation or personal time, and you're working seven days a week, twelve on, twelve hours on, twelve hours off. That's standard across DC, is my understanding. And they didn't even have that. There's twelve. There's two thousand five hundred officers, roughly, in the Capitol Police. They are a very serious force. Not, I mean, they don't have the same challenges that, you know, the D.C. Metro Police does, you know, or the FBI does or whatnot. They're not constantly uh, trying to take down meth cookers or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're, they're for, lots of them have serious, you know, backgrounds, armed services, law enforcement elsewhere. 2,500 of them, you know, that could have been applied to, you know, these guys that can't do 100 sit-ups yeah. uh, pretty easily. They weren't. They weren't there. We haven't got the answers on what happened. I think mm-hmm. we know. They let them in. They they didn't. You know yeah. they betrayed us. They betrayed their oath. Um, you know they. You know those the the, the the leadership was gone. You know instantly. Um, you know we have a new Secretary of Defense now, Lloyd Austin, 
God bless him and, and uh, Godspeed to him. Uh, you know, this is very tricky on how we reveal what happened on that day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, but let's, let's just have a little fun uh, thought exercise. You know who you saw there and all these guys like, oh, we're in the Capitol. It's like, how, how would they have done against four Navy SEALs <laughs> yeah. strapped and ready to go with yeah. the rules of engagement you know, all set, like, all right, it's on, boys. Yeah. How, you know, meet the Apache AH-86 helicopter. These are Hellfire <laughs> missiles. How many of those, ooh, I'm, ooh, I, my Facebook friends are going to love this. And then your friend explodes because he caught a missile in the face. Yeah. How, how long would they have been there? Like, yeah, Nancy Pelosi, I'm going to poop in her office. You know, when, <laughs> you know, the company, you know, Bravo company from 8th and I Marine Barracks down the street. Yeah. If they deployed... You know, with bayonets fixed, how long would that have got the Q shaman? How long would he have lasted <laughs> against Bravo Company? I'm thinking it wouldn't have made it onto Parlor Video. That's just the thought. <laughs> that's such a great point. Holy shit, that's so good. They would have suddenly respected those barricades, like those barricades that were set up that the Capitol Police were moving away, and then all the insurrectionists would have been like, "We're not moving past this line now because I see the Navy SEALs over there and that Apache helicopter. Maybe we shouldn't go any further." Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Well, the one woman, you know, the Ashley Babbitt, you know, who tried to crawl through that that window, she got a very special welcome to D.C., right, <laughs> from from the Secret Service. I don't mean to be cavalier about death, but, you know, she was, she was trying, she was part of a group that was trying to murder Nancy Pelosi. That's right. And and Chuck Grassley and, any, and Mike Pence and anyone that could, both parties, anyone they could get their hands on, mm-hmm. right? They only, I, I watched that video. They only took they took a maximum of one casualty and watch watch everybody in that video. They went, oh oh geez oh look at that yes this isn't on Facebook this mm-hmm. isn't your you know your Call of Duty gang yep. <clears throat> on your headsets playing a video game yeah she just took a headshot this <laughs> is you're in the U.S. Capitol pal this is when and the resistance you just experienced is completely abnormal so this is what leads me to think that you know. The, the airborne rangers like the 101st probably would have cut through them like butter. I don't think they'd have been as daring, and, you know, put that video up, live stream that everyone still want to try and murder our elected officials. Uh, but that would have been, you know, so yeah. were they, you know, it wasn't just that they were, they weren't, you know, they weren't a fearsome fighting force compared to our military, which is the most lethal army in the history of mankind. Mm-hmm. It's not close. Right. But if you've got people in very key positions of power who are behind getting rid of democracy at the point of a gun and, and pull up and stop, uh, you know, us from defending ourselves, you know, that's, that's an incredible betrayal and it's an incredible danger. Um, yeah. And, you know, cl- clearly, you know, we're susceptible to that. And some people knew exactly what pressure points to hit on us. And it didn't, you know, the vast majority of our, uh, just like a vast majority of our police, the vast majority of our armed forces were, were not in favor of that, no. that activity. So we've got some points that thank God will, we should get the, the ability to correct here. Um, I think a lot of this comes down to our brand new attorney general, Merrick Garland, mm-hmm. who's got to be about the busiest man in America right now. Because uh, just because William Barr <clears throat> and uh, Sessions and Whitaker and all them, you know, were able to stop the prosecution of something or maybe force a few, um, you know, pardons through, 
you know, that evidence the FBI collects, that doesn't go bad, you know. This is not a pork chop in your car. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's right. Not, it's not done at the end of three hours. Uh, you know, oh, that's oh, it's all over. No, the you know we're still you know they're just starting to prosecute um, some of the election crimes from back in in 2016. I mean, mm. that uh, misguided young man uh, Douglas Mackey from Vermont who was uh, who was arrested for his activity in 2016 of sending out fake ads uh, trying to cheat black Americans out of their vote, telling them, oh, yep. you can text your vote. And he created that forgery and, you know, attempted to enter, you know, to, to trick those people using Facebook into throwing their right to vote That's right. away. And he was just recently in the last few months, uh, indicted. Now he's, uh, he's facing federal prosecution, facing 10 years in prison for this initial indictment. I imagine there's more he got up to, um, we're just now getting into those events, much less mm-hmm. this past, you know, eight to eight, ten, ten weeks ago. So, yeah. you know, all the stuff that was done here, a lot of it was done on computer. That's really hard evidence that sticks around a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, witnesses are witnesses notoriously change their story over time. Log files and computers, much less so. So the things you know, the things that these people did, either uploading data so Cambridge Analytica could fool around with it or, um, you know, paying off people to riot or whatever, uh, whatever you got into, uh, you know, in any of these elections in mm-hmm. the past few years, that, that stuff didn't go bad in the car, man. Those, that evidence <laughs> is still around. In this, and, the, and if it's a conspiracy, the statute of limitations doesn't start until the last act in furtherance of that con- conspiracy was committed. Yeah. So a lot of those things that were kept warm and those guys all still working together on this, you know, you know, what I call operation cluster fail, um, <laughs> you know, let's use Roger Stone for everything. Like he was one of Nixon's guys. Yeah. What, what, do, you, what do you mean? Why is Kissinger in, in the Mueller report? Isn't he dead? Is he is he Methuselah? Is he seven thousand years old? <laughs> well, you know, Eric, you may have just answered my next question, which is this: historically, we have seen characters like Donald Trump engage in this kind of insurrection and so on, and we've seen them receive their comeuppance. So, my question is: Why is Donald Trump here inside the United States still at large? I mean. Is it that I'm just not being patient enough that eventually justice will find him and, you know, do us all a a crucial service and holding him accountable? Or is our system just not set up to hold despots like Donald Trump accountable for insurrectionist acts like he engaged in on the 6th and so on? Why is he still at large? Why does he still get to survive as a uh, as a free man at a country club playing golf every day? On the insurrection question, the Department of Justice has been very clear that mm. this is the largest criminal investigation in history. Wow. That's a hell of a statement, right? Yeah. That, that means it's bigger than 9-11. Yep. It's, it's bigger than the housing crisis, all this. Mm. It's the biggest ever. Um, it's the broadest, et cetera. So I think it'd be unlikely that in just 10 weeks that anyone would be prosecuted. However... As far as him, you know, staying a free man or staying unindicted, you know, the financial charges have been cooking for that guy, you know, in Manhattan for a while now. And forget the fact that his conciliary 
Michael Cohen flipped a long time ago, turned over what 14 or 15 phones and I think 4 million files mm-hmm. in, in that investigation. Okay, when your mob fixer <laughs> turns his cell phones, 15 cell phones over that all have the log files of every text sent in and out, where you don't, the FBI doesn't got to do tap trace and all the different warrants. No, no, we got the guy's phone. <laughs> He's turned it over <laughs> as part of his cooperation. Right. Mil- millions, millions of files, transactions, conversations, details, emails of all the, you know, of all the worst mobbed up people you can imagine, all directly tied to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. You just start there and you realize Alan Weisselberg, CFO of the Trump organization, who was Fred Trump's accountant, his dad's accountant. His dad was a successful front for the Genovese Mafia. Mm-hmm. This was his money guy. He knows every LLC, every offshore account. He knows which family gets a bite of which, how they wet their beak, all that stuff. Not just Weisselberg is cooperating. I, when I saw the other day, it's like, no, they've had multiple interviews with Weisselberg's son's ex-wife. I'm like, my God, they're in the CFO's <laughs> ex-in-laws yeah. are in multiple Multiple interviews with the prosecutors and, and John Dean, you know, who knows his way around, you know, he was, uh, you know, convicted in Watergate oh, yeah. and uh, in a sense directing traffic for us. Oh, no, nope, this is when this happens. Oh, no, nope, they're in trouble. Um, he goes, look, if you if he was just he was just speaking of Cohen. He's like, what? He's met eight times. They're going to press charges very soon. Yeah. <laughs> they're just they're just fine tuning the details here. But you get down to. They're down to the accountant's son's former wife is in multiple times. They're, you know, people forget. It does not take, you know, I don't have any felonies. Maybe you don't. Uh, I don't I don't commit a lot of bank fraud uh, at all, I don't think. Uh, you know, I don't remember the time I tried to structure a real estate deal with the Chinese, the Saudis, and, you know, the, the Azerbaijani mafia all at the same time. It's not my gig. <laughs> but, you know, one of those charges is 10 to 20 years. Yeah. One charge of bank fraud, one char- wire fraud's 20 years a pop. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what they're doing with Trump is like, you know, if you have two, three sets of books, two, three different valuations where you told the tax people one thing and Deutsche Bank another and the, you know, the person you sold to another, if you lied to get the loan, that's bank fraud. Mm-hmm. And they got, and he does, a zillion of these things. You can't trust the guys as far as you can spit them. So the chances of them finding, and this is the thing, it's like the insurrection is is very complicated and we'll get to the bottom of it. And and maybe he will be, he could be the kingpin of that whole Rico racketeering scheme of Mm. trying to overthrow the government. That, that could happen. And it may be the best thing for justice, but I think he could be in, he could be in prison long before that because they got Capone on taxes, right? There's something about the ones and zeros. Did you say, okay, how much did you say it was worth here? 17 million. How much did you say it was worth here? 30 million. Mm-hmm. You're going to prison. Yeah. And it's just, there's no negotiation with it. It's like, ah, and it's like, yeah, we told, and you, here's your, here's your text to your, your man, Michael Cohen. Yeah. The suckers bought it. We said 17. But it's really thirty. You're done, and that's boop, boop, boop. There's eight pages in the charging documents, and yeah. they're going to put that in front of a jury. And and you know, this is a guy who you know, 
who did who ran these rackets for decades yeah and may have had very very likely had uh, confidential informant deals with the fbi that kept him out of hot water until now where he helped turn over bigger mobsters mm-hmm. um but you know by becoming president he became the most analyzed person in the world he's probably the last guy who really wanted that kind of uh scrutiny yeah you know mm-hmm. so so you know he's now facing you know he, he like he, he tried to overthrow american democracy yep on behalf of people that uh, that owned him you know he's he is never going to sleep well again at night ever again <laughs> um where he where he sleeps poorly adx florence supermax prison or at his you know crappy bed bug infested swamp hole <laughs> Down in down in Florida, the, the half Chinese, you know, half crappy golf course, half crappy spy Chinese, you know, spy waypoint. Um, you know, I, I don't know. That's None good. of us, Bob. Neither one of us. Uh, ni- raise your hand, everybody, if you would if you would swap places with Don Jr. today. Not a Ivanka, chance in hell, Eric, Jared. Yeah. Not a, I, mean, I love the joke about Michael Cohen that's going around. If you if you date someone eight times and, and he's met with prosecutors eight times so far, you're definitely having sex. That's that's a fact, and I think that's oh, the, they're getting they're getting yeah. it on. They're not mm-hmm. just watching Netflix over there anymore. That's right. that way, <laughs> you know, you, you oh put, my god, this is my high school yearbook. Check out. Oh, I had a mullet. This is back in the old days. No, no, they're doing it. They're doing it. <laughs> Yeah, you uh, you posted a video, and I'll let you go here in just a second, but you posted a video yesterday in which Bernie Sanders says he's uncomfortable with Trump being banned from Twitter. Where do some of these people get the idea, especially Donald Trump, that just because Twitter exists, everyone should be allowed to use it? Where the hell does that entitlement come from? Um, well, where does their entitlement, everyone should be able to use it? I, I mean, I think these are trained propagandists, and that's their, their job to be on there and yeah. do things. and. I'm not sure from Twitter's perspective kind of what they're, why it took them so long. I, I admit that it could be a sticky wicket, but you know, there's, I'm, well, I'm glad they drew the line at, um, you know, attempted coup d'etat and, and destruction of democracy. I'm glad that, you know, cause I have, uh, I have a friend who got thrown off for, I think calling Kaylee McKen- McKennany a bimbo, which yeah. I admit is not the most, uh, you know, feminist term ever, but he like got permanently banned for that. And, you know, Trump was, you know, uh, trying to end democracy in in favor of a bunch of genocidal maniacs. <laughs> That's right. I, I feel like, you know, there needs to be an evening out of the terms of service, personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but, you know, I, I love the fact that, um, Bi- you know, Biden's tweets are quite a bit more sedate and policy based. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the idea of heads of state utilizing social media um, even while they're in office, I'm, I'm not adverse to it. Um, running stock pump and dump scams. Uh, you know, sucks is insert stock, you know, yeah, right, right, right. That's, probably, that's problematic, but Hey, everyone, you know, we're going to try and get you your stimulus checks as fast as possible. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, now that, you know, do I have some questions about Bernie being the guy, you know, having a problem with it? Uh, you know, 
I would think that once somebody tries to overthrow democracy, you're like, yeah, you know, that's north of calling someone a bimbo. So yes, uh, you know, no shit. Twitter's rule. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Is there anything that they can do with Facebook and Twitter right now that would slow the tide of uh, disinformation that's flooding onto it? I mean, short of some kind of firewall to block it somehow. I mean, how do you, how do you balance the first amendment with, um, just the rank amount of awfulness that's happening on social media where, uh, for example, uh, Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire can post whatever the hell they want on Facebook because they've cut some sort of deal with Facebook. doesn't matter. The terms of service are just thrown out the window. They can do whatever the hell they want. I mean, what needs to happen with social media to make it less susceptible or to make the users of social media less susceptible to all the manipulation that we've been seeing? I've got a, pol- I've got a couple policies here. They may seem radical. Mm. Uh, they may seem boring. I, my my view is the future of social media will be under a government agency known as the U.S. Postal Service. Are you serious? That, wow! You know, that's my that's my thought. I mean, we actually could change the name. It could be the Communications Agency or whatnot. But mm. you know, we need. I mean, it's very clear that um, the internet is real. It's the real world. It's not a it's not uh, a lark the way people might have thought of it in 98 or even 2000 or so. It's the real world. Um, and social media especially is part of the real world. It, we you know, we saw this in the, the Arab Spring, um, you know, that governments we see with governments shut, you know, social media down in response to uh, political opposition mm-hmm. um, that it's the real world. And as such, You know, if you mail, uh, if you commit a scam over the U.S. Postal Service, that's mail fraud. You know, if you use, uh, you know, wires to do it, it's wire fraud. Um, You know, uh, and that goes for a lot of financial crimes. Uh, You know, social media, there, there, you know, there's, you know, a massive amount of harassment, threats, um, you know, you know, conspiracies to get people to harm themselves by not taking health precautions like vaccines and, and whatnot. It's very much the real world. It needs to have the rule of law there too. Yep. We can't have a bunch of town squares where we can all just beat each other over the head with clubs and inject each other with stuff. You can't do that at the mall and we shouldn't be able to do that online. And I think before it's like, well, it's not really real. Well, now we know that a bunch of dark ads from some government aimed at our racist uncle can actually change the course of history. Mm-hmm. It's very real. Yeah. And so it needs the rule of law, I think. Um, yeah. And I think something else that would go a long way would be, well, you, Bob, you have a blue check on the, on the Twitter thing, right? Yep. Uh, I do too. I got Eric Garland. That's my, that's my legal name, mm-hmm. my real name. People use it. I answer to it and it's got a blue check there and I had to give in my, my identifying documents and you know, they, I have two factor authentication. And, uh, if I do something that is tortious or, or felonious, then I answer to either civil courts or mm-hmm. criminal charges. And rightly so. And if I do that, you know, at the mall, if I go and start screaming at someone or punch them or whatnot, or if I, you know, harangue somebody by using the postal service, that's going to have consequences. And, you know, for me and for you, because we are us, our, yep. our real selves online, you know, we would, people would know where to go or an attorney could figure it out very, very quickly. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a small 
group that that's doing that. And so these are people who are of, these are real people. These are people of note. Well, no, there's tons of people. I mean, hell, uh, uh, Bob Mueller's number, number two guy, his right-hand man, uh, Andrew Weissman, legendary prosecutor. He didn't have blue check. Mm-hmm. That guy, that guy's more serious than I am. Oh, almost yeah. every measure. Uh, yeah. So this is, you know, and he goes under his own name. There's nothing particular about that, that, that check mark. But I think if you say, hey, do you want to get online and be part of a conversation that impacts democracy? Um, it's got to be your name. Yeah, just God. like, you know, you know, dry, if you're dry, you can't dry, you know, well, what if we just be identified everywhere? Hey, you got a license plate, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That identifies you. Um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, you're in the phone, you know, I mean, you're in the phone book in different places. Um, you, you know, you can't just go buying things without, you know, having an identification of who you are on that credit card. It'd be pandemonium if you could drive around anonymously, buy things completely anonymously. You don't have to put up, you know, um, you know, your DNA and a bunch of nude photos up there, uh, you know, necessarily mm-hmm. uh, to identify you, but to have, an, you know, to have it be you. And have you faced some social consequences for really aberrant behavior, um, I think would help enormously. The fact is, you know, we can't, the intelligence community cannot measure, they don't have the power or the ability or the legal remit to go, this is the number of messages that came in on Twitter and Facebook prior to 2016, 18 and 20. And here's the minds that were changed. They Mm. can't measure it. They've been asked that in front of Congress before. And, you know, they give an answer that seems evasive it's not yeah. just saying we don't have the ability that's your job to make that decision we do not have the ability to assess it and they're being completely honest and correct mm-hmm. um but you logically they wouldn't do it if it didn't work this propaganda yeah. works we've had a bunch of uh ukrainians russians moldovans and increasingly they're spreading it out mexico ghana i was like oh wow Spreading the wealth there uh, yeah. that are, I mean, you know, these people that are pretending to be Americans and pretending to have opinions. And, you know, that is really, you know, it's deleterious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, a lot of them are in, involved in, in harassment. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, tons of people have experienced that. Yeah. You know, if you make everybody go under who they are, uh, and as a real person, you can apply some legal consequences. And we've seen a very inter- interesting precedent with this where we didn't declare war because of the espionage activities of the Internet Research Agency or later on an indictment for the GRU, that's the main intelligence directorate of the Russian military. Um, we didn't, that wasn't a diplomatic matter. We sent out criminal indictments. Mm. We had the guy's names down to the middle names, their patronymics. We knew exactly who it was, which was kind of us, you know, showing off a little bit. Like, we know exactly who was sitting behind that computer. Yeah. yeah you want to know how we know? We're good. Um, <laughs> but we said, you, the, follow, the following people, Val, Valerie, you know, Pavlovich, Ilyushkin, and, you know, and company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I forget the, the first guy. But it's, you know, it's all the, you know, my jaw hit the floor when I read those indictments. I was like, mm. oh, my God, we've got their patronymics. We know exactly who was behind that yeah. that keyboard sitting in, in Russian intelligence. That's wild. Yeah. But it's, you, you know, you go, no, you did this. You made the fake image to try and trick black Americans into texting their vote away. Yep. 
you did it. We know who you are. You, you spread, you know, you said that COVID was a hoax mm-hmm. from sitting in Moldova. You did this, you did this, you did this. I think if you start just applying the kind, the, the kind of responsibility that we have to have everywhere else, when we go to the public library, when we go to the grocery store, when we go to our kids' school, we don't put a paper bag over our head and throw poop around, you know, <laughs> no, speak, go, for, speak for well, yourself. Yeah, look, well, you're, you're mileage maybe, you, know, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to shame any, uh, you know, uh, ba- any bag wearing poop flingers out there, but yeah, <laughs> for all of you. No, we don't, we don't, we don't permit that and go, Hey man, look, I just, you know, I don't look, I have some very important things to say and that's why I need a bag over my head and I throw poop all um, <laughs> God, That's so well put. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, my God. I, I, I feel you. I mean, sometimes I wish I could <laughs> throw a tantrum and be totally sociopathic, yeah. <laughs> but instead I have my name attached to this thing and you know, I just, you know, I do yeah. my thing. And I, I think when you, um, you know, um, I'm, try, I'm trying to think who, who I who I knew who who found out the identity of a young man who was uh, who was trolling her and like found where the kid lived and called his mom. It was a teenager who was doing it. And he called his mom and it just it just cleared everything. He did what? I mean, it was like real world, very quick social consequences. Awesome. You should know your son who tweets under this. This is him, and he he said this to me. You're kidding? No. Check it out. <laughs> this is why you are a must follow on Twitter at Eric Garland. <laughs> Thanks, uh, the podcast is called Game Theory Today. Find it everywhere you get your podcast, plus patreon.com slash game theory today to support your show. Uh, holy shit. You are a must follow. Thank you so much for your time today, Eric. I, I really appreciate you uh, checking in here and uh, hope to talk to you again real soon. It was great, Bob. Thanks. Thanks. Take it easy, my friend. Hold it. Don't nobody move. There's finally good news on the horizon. Vaccinations are increasing, and if we're smart, the end of the pandemic could be just months away. But between now and then, it's more important than ever to be careful. People are doing more traveling and socializing as they feel the risks are diminishing. So having the right mask, the best mask, to get past the finish line is absolutely essential. And now the NewDealShop.com has the gold standard N95 masks. These are NIOSH N95 masks. They have the best fit with headband straps, and they're FDA authorized to meet the strictest, most reliable standard for masks on the market. These N95 masks come in a box of 20, and they ship free immediately for you. Maybe you know someone who plans to travel and They're getting their family together for spring break. Well, if so, these N95 masks are an essential part of that plan. Go to thenewdealshop.com, thenewdealshop.com. Get N95 masks with free immediate shipping. There's a small supply in stock shipping right now. Go to thenewdealshop.com now and get your N95 masks. Thank you.